Hi, I am Kyle. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Social Ninjas. Hiya! Jeremy and I both struggled with social anxiety and mental health overall. Now we both work to improve our own mental health and the mental health of others by sharing what we did to help our social anxiety and what we learn and continue to do to improve upon our own mental health. What we share is what we learn from our own experiences. We are not mental health professionals and what we say should not be used in place of or replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Amazing. So welcome to the Social Ninja Takeover. (laughs) Um, My name is Haley, Dr. Haley Watson, and I am very excited to be here today to um, assist Jeremy and Hassan having a a conversation about an experience that they went through together, a bullying experience. So I'll just give you a little bit of background about me and then we'll jump right in. So I'm a clinical psychologist and I work with children, teenagers, families, um, and adults. Um, And I've been working for the past sort of 15 years all over the world, helping people heal situations that they've been through, working clinically, as well as um, my PhD is in bullying interventions. So I'm really excited. Bullying is a passion of mine, and I'm really excited to be having this discussion and opening this dialogue. And I think our intention, all of our intentions here today is really just to showcase the dynamic of bullying and you know what's happening in these dynamics so that we can help other people and other kids um, you know in those situations do either of you want to add anything or should we jump right into it perfect <laughs> great okay so i think we'll start with um jeremy just giving a little bit of a story of your experiences so we're talking about we're dialing back the clock till grade seven I believe when the two of you had some interactions that were quite difficult um, and we're going to hear a little bit from Jeremy and then we're going to hear from Hassan and we're just going to sort of dig into it a little bit. So Jeremy, why don't you tell us a little bit about what was happening in your life when you were in grade seven and, and about the dynamic between you and Hassan? I think it's, I kind of want to dial back even further to uh, uh, elementary school. Um, Hassan and I were actually really close friends and then um, like he was my best friend and then as the years went on, we did like baseball together and we did a lot of fun activities. And then, so yeah, I think it's important for the story. And Great. So then it goes grade seven, we got in some sort of argument. I don't even remember what it was about. <laughs> that wasn't the important part. Me neither. <laughs> I don't know what we got an argument about. And um, instead of, you know, hashing it out and, and not making up, um, from what I remember is um, Hassan um, started getting everyone against me. Um, he would uh, spread rumors about me and my family and draw pictures. And, and then he had these two other guys who joined in on the fun. And um, anytime anyone uh, would mess with me, they would kind of like, hey, what, today I messed with Jeremy today. Oh my God, it was, it, are you serious? Good job. And they just like a um, bully Jeremy party and it was it was very hard because I, I sometimes would be walking their campus and someone would like throw a half empty bottle of Gatorade at my head at one point and they all laughed about it and then one time this girl kicked me in the shin as hard as she can just so she can like tell people she did it and then another time someone like two guys came and like grabbed me by the neck they call, it's called a, a stunner like a stone cold stunner they pulled me to the ground and I hit my head on the concrete Oh was shit, that was challenging. I um I still remember yeah. I went to like the classroom afterwards and this girl had a huge crush on was there and I'm just like bawling, just oh crying. My God, I didn't even know I don't even know about half of this shit. Oh. Uh, yeah. This stunner, the stone cold stunner in front of your crush, I would die. So that's so challenging. Yes, yes, okay. So it sort of spiraled and this, turned into this whole whole thing where you were the one that was picked on by by your class and how did that feel what was what was going on for you then when you were sort of ostracized and, and picked on in this way what was what did it feel like for you um I felt disconnected completely like I, I definitely um I had it brought on just feelings of I, I wish I was someone else um I did not love myself at all 
because like from it and then on top of that like my self-worth how i felt about myself was like really low i have felt like i had no purpose i like i um i bring no value to the world and i just uh as i ended up hanging out i had no friends so i ended up hanging out with like the grade level underneath me because uh, i didn't feel safe in my own grade and um mm-hmm. these these kids have been friends for a very long time so i mean they tried they definitely were nice about it but it was just they would known each other forever and i felt like an outsider just kind of mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. joining in on their group so yeah. it was yeah i was alone i was i never yeah. felt so alone yeah so really alone and really feeling like you wished you were somewhere one else somewhere else yeah and yeah. do you have a sense of why those things that people were saying um sort of got internalized because this is one of the big things that happens with bullying is that you know other people are saying things that are unkind but then we end up believing them and we end up taking them on as our truth so do you have any memory around that of of you know what led to that when you first were hearing some of these things do you remember at all what that felt like if it felt like yes that that's definitely true about me because you know, I already you know that I thought those things before, or did it feel like no, that's not true about me? And then it slowly became a feeling of truth about you. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think it wasn't until recently I kind of thought about this, just all the work that I've done on myself and my oldest brother, who's a young adult living with autism. He, um, the world is really hard for him, so he actually would treat me as a punching bag. So I kind of took on that story, and I almost felt I almost I'd never stuck up for myself I feel like because it was just so this is afterwards I learned this stuff yes and so this was happening in your home before and that's a really helpful context isn't it because a lot of people say a lot of mean things you know kids say things to each other and we'll talk to Hassan in a minute about what was happening for him in his life then and people you know these things happen but when we've had early experiences where we've struggled where we've already been given a story about ourselves that we're not good enough or we've responded to our early life stressors in that way then it almost like makes sense to us oh yeah of course everyone's gonna hate me because i already think i'm not good enough and so it just feeds into this image that we have of ourselves and that's why it can be so devastating and also why people don't understand from the outside right so when you're in that experience no one else was able to know how awful it was for you because for, for them, you know, they weren't in your mind. They weren't experiencing it. They weren't, it wasn't that same story for them as it was for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so then kind of how did this then transpire? What happened between, you know, you and Hassan and then you as you grew up after this experience? Um, there was a point, like my parents, my mom's pretty involved in my schooling. There was a point where I might have told my mom and then she um got involved and got Hassan's mom and um these two other guys um I'm not gonna say their names but got their parents involved we remember we went we went to the park and um my mom's like hey what you do you you three kids are doing to my son they um I call they're like three-headed monsters in my head (laughs) like what you're doing to my son is not okay who was the uh, was Matt Matt Choi (laughs) okay who's the (laughs) other one Jake Jake? Yeah. Jake Hodges? <laughs> wow. I don't talk to either of them. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Right, monsters. Okay. I didn't even so, yeah. Okay, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what happened in this interaction? So the um, they were at the park. Did that did that work or did that no, so. no, no. Uh, I just remember your brother punking me hard, dude, one time. Boy, like, that's it. That's the only thing I remember is fucking Kevin just, just like, punking me, dude. Like, flexed on me one time outside of school. That's the, that's the only thing I remember. I don't remember that at all. You don't remember your fucking brother looking up on me? <laughs> Never. Okay, cool. Fun fact. Haha. <laughs> your brother cares about you. There you go. <laughs> Amazing. That's good feedback. And isn't that interesting about the different things you remember, right? So, I mean, the the level of detail with which Jeremy you remember this event is is extreme because it was really traumatic for you. And then for Hassan, 
it's it'll be a totally different story of the bits that you remember absolutely so so i just want to hear what happened after this event at the park and then i want to hear from, from a little bit from hassan about his part of the story yeah. so what yeah what happened after the park we're at the park uh, i think that was hassan's mom's other people and uh, my mom's like yeah what are you doing my son is not okay and then i remember i feel like uh from what i remember hassan's mom was kind of in denial and she was kind of she remember she was like oh no not my son you know Mm -hmm. And I, I remember um, Hassan and the other, the other the other guys were kind of like joking, weren't taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah. And because from their perspective, they didn't see that it was so serious. And that's the the tricky thing with bullying is that it's it's only serious for the person that's being bullied, and it's really hard for other people to recognize that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, what do you feel like have been the you know? how did that then impact you as you sort of went further in your in your schooling that experience did that lead to other struggles yeah um a lot um i got social anxiety from it i just i had i internalized the story that like people i don't even know don't like me um mm -hmm. i just i just internalize everyone's mean everyone doesn't mm -hmm. like me just even though i, I never even talked to them before um i and then like I had a hard time. Like I remember in, even in high school, I was kind of wandering, trying to find a friend group. And I never really could. Um, mm -hmm. And I just had a lot of self-worth issues. I had a lot of social anxiety, as I said, and mm -hmm. it kind of carried, it's carried that story for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into later sort of the, the upside, but I think this is really important that we explore sort of how, how these experiences can really impact us and the, the sort of depth that that can happen. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. I got uh, a question for Jeremy. About yeah, go Wait, for it. So we were in senior year together though, correct? I don't remember, to be honest. Did, did, you, did you graduate Culver, Culver High 2004? Yeah. Did you see me? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I remember, I remember, um, I don't know if it continued or not. I don't, I don't think it did into high school, to my knowledge. No, but I mean, did we ever interact? Did we have inter any interactions? Because I was gone 9th, 10th, 11th. I came back 12th grade year, senior year. I came back and was there for like two seconds and then I got in trouble. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I don't remember that. I remember. Okay. I just remember um, you wrote, you wrote me from jail. I'm sure we'll yeah, talk about that. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. Okay. Awesome. Okay, great. I can't wait to hear about that. So let's you hear. Have that letter. No, I threw it away. Like literally, like a year, like like a year or two ago. Too bad. I Too know. bad. But hopefully, you both can remember a little bit what it said. That would be fantastic. So let's get to the letter from jail after. But first, Hassan, I want to hear about what was happening in your life you know at in grade seven when this started what was going on for you um well off top i think it, it I, I can't even pick back up from like where jeremy started like yeah we were fucking best friends i did a lot of first things with him you know i looked up to him and his brother like they he was always like the cool kid you know like they lived on the cool side of the tracks i lived on the whack side of the tracks i would take the bus the bus that went to his house you had to be like lived in that neighborhood to go to the, like you know so i would like take yeah. the school bus just to go hang out with him after mm -hmm. school like everything that i thought was cool i got from like his family Diaz, you know what i mean like music green day like skating like all of the shit that i thought that was was cool and i don't know what your age is doctor but like i'm 34 so yeah i grew up with this shit and yeah you know i got it like a mtv like pretty much you could go in my eyes growing up you could go to jeremy's house and be like free and just do like whatever nice. you wanted to do like that's nice that's how i always thought of like that side of the railroad tracks like jeremy's house fucking mm -hmm. and so um <clears throat> what started to happen is definitely like fifth fifth 
sixth grade, I started going through like a big ass identity crisis. And this is all, I didn't know I was going to like, like Jeremy had mentioned earlier, he doesn't, he didn't know what he was going through at the time. So I didn't know I was going through like huge identity crisis and really, really, um, fearful of like a lot of things, people, places, things. And, you know, I wanted to fit in real bad. I didn't have like immediate brothers or sisters in my house. I was lonely. My parents were like practicing Muslims. I thought it was weird. You know, I just fucking did not feel okay in, in my own skin. Like I did not feel like I belonged. I didn't, I also like I didn't feel like I belonged with the skater kids on my block. And I didn't feel like I belonged quite with the Mexican kids. I didn't quite belong with the white kids. You know, I fucking just wanted to be someone else. Like I could not be Hassan. Mm -hmm. And that like is real clear to me now um, that I could, and, and I lied, you know, I made shit up and I was always trying to fit in with these kids or those kids. And mm -hmm. And so, you know, I got kind of rejected by the, the, the skater kids. And that I remember happen, happening to me around the same time where sixth and seventh grade were, were transition, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure me and Jeremy were cool up and, until around that point. And I, and I remember this kid, I was trying to skateboard really bad, but I wasn't good at it. I have flat feet. My mom and dad, like, wouldn't let me wear skate shoes because they thought it was bad for my fucking feet. Um, all kinds of shit, you know? Like, I had to sneak my skate shoes to school. Kids made fun of me. They made a song about me, about my me sneaking my skate shoes to school. It was fucking, it was honestly, like, fucking funny. But, like, and I always, I always talk shit back, you know? But, like, what I did, what I did to make up for that was I would act out, you know, I'd blow shit up. I'd bring, I start tagging I start fucking fighting a little bit, you know, and mm -hmm. I'd always been fighting though, since like elementary school, I always, mm -hmm. um, and, um, but I remember I wanted to skate really bad and I just wasn't happening for me. And then one kid called me a poser. I remember it was like first day of middle school, like where your whole life is determined. And this kid was like, what are you wearing? And uh, I'm pretty for, I'm pretty sure it was his name James Faith, who I always thought was cool on elementary school. I remember what I was wearing to a T. I was wearing a World Industries T-shirt. Like summer had passed. <laughs> summer from fifth grade to sixth grade, like this is coming of age shit, you know. And I had a World Industries shirt and fucking cargo pants, and, like some skate shoes. And he's like, "Dude, you look like a poser." And I was just like, <laughs> and so what happened is I fell from that, you know, and then I, I, I started to, to find graffiti and, and, and kind of like more leaning towards a, a street life. And then around sixth and seventh grade, I, I, you know, I was just like so confused. Like I wanted to be black and then fucking, and in the, I can't remember if it was the seventh or eighth grade, but probably the eighth grade but anyhow so like that was what was going on in my life and also mm -hmm. I was going through a lot of medication like my mom had me seeing all these fucking shrinks mm. and they were giving me like Ritalin and Adderall and like fucking with my well my psyche and having to go see the fucking doctor before class and just I felt like a weirdo you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. uh and I think that's when I started to act out and and tag and start like fighting more in school mm -hmm. and you know, I, I beat up this kid named Brian Zink and I started selling alcohol and weed. This is in seventh grade for sure. Like that's when I first started smoking weed. I started yep. bringing, started selling my Adderall to kids to Colin Fukuji. I was spiking drinks with brandy snapples at lunchtime. I sold them to Daniel Stanford. He told on me, I beat up Brian Zink in front of like the whole schoolyard. It got me some respect. Cause I was kind of small and I was scrawny, you know, I was scrawny, mm -hmm. small, I had braces. So all of this shit was going on. Yeah. And for me, I don't know what sparked. I cannot tell you that I remember what sparked conflict with Jeremy and I. Mm -hmm. um, but all I know is that he was in my immediate peripheral and he wasn't the only, only person that I like made fun of, gave a hard time to or bullied, mm -hmm. but like 
I think because I knew him mm -hmm. and uh, he was like right there and we had classes together and I can just examine someone and pick them, pick them apart, which is something mm -hmm. I still do like to this day, I might not say it or fucking, but like I'm mm -hmm. picking, fucking still, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm on people <laughs> fucking <laughs> on them, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't hang out with a lot of people either, but still like, I'm, if you come at me with some funny shit, like I can tell, like if you're for real, you're a fraud, like, well, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. so I think I started to, to learn how to pick, pick things out in people and, mm -hmm. and fucking use it against them. And, mm -hmm. and so I believe that's where like, I don't remember what caused the conflict, mm -hmm. but I remember that I had started to make fun of him. Yeah. Um, I remember vaguely drawing shit and, and fucking, and getting other people. I don't mm -hmm. remember getting Jake Hodges, but I remember Matt Choi. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember fucking with Jeremy was like, it was like part of like a everyday thing, you know? Like mm -hmm. I, I remember tying his backpack to the fucking, to the chairs, mm -hmm. you know, like real hard. So when the bell rang, you had to like untie your backpack and I remember doing shit like that um and what were you feeling so it's really great to hear that whole context and it sounds like what I'm hearing is your defense mechanism was to kind of attack others whereas Jeremy's was to attack himself and so in a way you were kind of like a perfect match in that that so do you remember what you were feeling when you did those things to him did it did it offer a bit of relief in the moment was it like you know what what was the experience for you well uh, i mean i can't tell you exactly what i was feeling in that moment but looking back with all the work i've done on myself i can i can make a good speculation of what i was feeling yeah and accurately and would say that it was probably feeling like people weren't looking at me under the microscope anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Shift the microscope to someone else. Yeah. And we can all look at them, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. Person, instead of everyone fucking focused on me and, 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 and even through seventh and eighth grade, like I still got fucking clowned and ripped on. And, and then finally, mm -hmm. you know, like I still, I was still getting made fun of and still like, you know, and, and what I did is I acted out in with physical mm -hmm. action and I started to abuse drugs and smoke weed and drink and get in trouble. Like I didn't, that's like, that is how I dealt with it. And then also yep. fucked with other people. So yep. like I was always, the microscope was always looking at me, you know, like I was always under the microscope as well. And then I would just fucking shift it on to other people, fuck with them. So they'd be like, yep. Oh, Hassan's funny. You know, like, look at him. He's, you know, like he's fucking with that weirdo over there. So he must not be that weird. And, you know, like, yeah. I think yeah. that's, that's what gave me a little bit of room to breathe in that, in that mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. Um, also like, I, I just wanted to fit in like my whole life. I just wanted to be cool, like straight up. I just mm -hmm. wanted to be cool. I wanted people to think I was crazy. I wanted to fit in. Um, yeah. cause I didn't fit in, in my own skin. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that, thank you that's, so much for sharing that. Sorry, go ahead. Would you have more? Yeah, that's yeah. the gist of it. And then yeah. when I was like, eighth grade came around, I feel like I don't remember much of the bullying or, or um, oppressing Jeremy in the eighth grade. Mm -hmm. uh, all I remember is that I really wanted to be a, a, I wanted to be black and I wanted to be, I thought I was black, like for real. And I wanted to join this big, huge black, gang in south central la and i was like mm -hmm. really committed to doing this that's like that was what i take home from the eighth grade yeah and that continuing into the ninth grade when i went to a different school and then just like shit like that for the forever mm-hmm mm -hmm. And so, so it sounds like from both of you, both of you were struggling, right? Both of you had different versions of home lives that were hard and both of you responded in different ways. And, you know, it's, we sort of either do that internalizing or externalizing, we call it, right? We either think that everything's our fault and it's, you know, it's all about me and it's that, you know, I, I'm the problem, I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me, or there's, you know, I'm going to find fault with other people. And both of them are protection mechanisms, right? So both of them are, how do I deal with this pain that I'm feeling? So it's almost a bit like, 
you had, I mean, I thought that was really interesting that you both mentioned that feeling of feeling like you didn't fit in and wanting to be someone else. And it's almost like that you, you had this really powerful thing in common, but because, you know, maybe there weren't the, the systems or support in place for you to actually communicate about that, it ended up being really devastating for both of you. When in fact, you were probably feeling very similar. You know, when, you, when I hear both of you say these things, it sounds like you were both, you know, really wanting to fit in, feeling like you didn't fit in, wondering where you were. Um, so, Jeremy, I'd just like to come back to you. When, you. when you hear Hassan's story, you know, what kind of a context does that give you? Does that sort of help you understand a little bit more about why this was happening and what was going on? and why he was sort of picking on you in that way? Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think I have like multiple um, feelings about it. There's a part of me that was like, not gonna lie, like upset that like I attacked myself as opposed to like defend myself. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I have this like fantasy of going back and be like, yo man, um, why are you, you don't need, you're messing with me because like what's going on? We speak close friends. Like I, I, I like almost wanna go back and have that talk, you know, like what's yeah. going on? You don't need is it really is it really making you feel better long term to make me feel like I'm a piece of shit? You know, like I have that thought. Mm -hmm. that, um, I know it's not helpful yeah. now, but um, it does have context. I I know mm -hmm. that I think in the, this bully culture we have, I, I just the whole, the whole world is is you know surrounded by me. Like I'm the the main character in my my story, right? And it's like it's mm -hmm. hard in that moment to put yourself in another person's shoes, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm. It's. I'm glad to hear it. It definitely like brings some more awareness to make sense. And it's like, it's wasn't about me. It was about him. Yeah. And um, I also yeah. like the reason I like this story so much. Or this this situation is because I feel like in our society we're like, oh no, poor victim, bully, bad guy. You know, I think that's not mm -hmm. the way to go. It's not how we're gonna. Um, yeah. Uh, make yeah. it better. For Absolutely, better. because there's that's it. There isn't, you know, by, by doing that and by saying one person's bad, and the other one's good. We actually take away power for, for both people because it's, you know, it always comes from pain on, on either side. So I love this idea of you going back in time and, and having this conversation. Why don't we just, for the sake of this podcast in this, in this conversation, let's just pretend we're back in the seventh grade. Mm. <laughs> Rewind back to seventh grade. What would you say? So I want you to say to Hassan, what you wish you would have said and then Hassan can can sort of say back what he wishes he would have said yeah go ahead um hey Hassan like you know I've been we're best friends in elementary school and you're uh, putting me down you're spreading rumors about me you're um you're you know treating me like shit and this really it makes me feel like I'm a piece of shit like I feel I hate myself right now because of what you're doing and I'm like I don't, like part of me doesn't want to be live because of what you're doing and mm -hmm. I understand you're doing it because you don't fit in you feel like you don't fit in you're having kind of identity crisis and dude I feel you but it's just, you're not going to feel better if you have the, if, if you, you can't understand that I want to be on your team mm -hmm. um beautiful um <laughs> yeah powerful yeah um anything else no kind of over <laughs> emotional great Great, beautiful. So Hassan, if we're back in grade seven and Jeremy came up and said this to you, what do you wish you would have responded with? Jeremy, we we are best friends and hold on, I wanna pin it on him. So, mm -hmm. cause I'm like looking at you, doc. Oh yeah, go for it, pin I'm it on I'm him. A pin, like, I'm gonna pin, pin Jeremy, all right, there we go. Hey Jeremy, um, fuck dude, we are, we are friends, dude. We're, 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 we're almost like kind of low key, like family, dude. I've known you since kindergarten, and I, I honestly wish I had a better way to, to, to fucking be who I am, and and just like just be okay in my own skin, and and I honestly am sorry and wished it I didn't fucking say those things to you and about you and and make your life miserable so that my life could be better um 
no, you didn't deserve that. And so you've always been good to me, man. And, and always been tight and let me into your house and fucking let me play world world of fucking Warcraft and like Wolfenstein and shit. And I'm just like, I'm sorry that I, I wasn't a better friend and that I couldn't look past my own shit or talk to anyone or figure out how, how to, how to communicate and not bring other people down. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. Beautiful. That's awesome. Thank you. And so just to circle back to this letter that you sent, because this is, it was it, what is it along those lines to talk me through that? So you, you, what, what landed you up in jail and with the desire to reach back out to Jeremy, because you sort of, from what I understand, you've lost touch after this and then you didn't really have any contact. And then all of a sudden, Jeremy receives a letter from jail. So, so Hassan, talk us through what that was. Well, I went to jail, well, jail and some youth facilities, all like kind of different versions of the same thing. It's all county mm-hmm. facilities. Um, I mean, after, after eighth grade, eighth grade just was dark, man. The whole thing was really, really dark for me. I was, I was already like done basically like as a, as like a guy who was gonna like have a good life, it was over. <laughs> By the eighth grade, it was like determined. Mm. It was it was set in stone that I was not gonna have a good life, and it didn't come from my mom and dad. Like it was just all like self shit. Like I was. This is where I found. This is where I found my salvation was in suffering, mm. and uh, and just scary people, scary just in the street and. Mm. Um, you know, so by the eighth grade, I was already done and I went to school with my dad, which didn't really help my dad. My mom was like, you need to go to school with your dad where he's a principal. And I just like got in a fucking wreck over there and picked all the same wrong people. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I stole a bunch of cars. Um, I stole a bunch of cars. I'm trying to impress some fucking dudes. I will share about it in my AA whenever I speak in Alcoholics Anonymous, I will share how how I spent a long, long portion of my life trying to impress guys, <laughs> like other dudes, <laughs> like not even trying to impress girls, just trying to impress other guys. And so, yeah, I was just trying to fucking impress the older guys who hung out on the corner of my street and I sold a bunch of cars and I went away for it. And mm-hmm. so in that time that I was gone, um, I experienced like probably the most traumatic things that just like ever I would ever see, you know, and I got exposed to the elements of like real crime world, real, the system for real, the juvenile justice system, like gangs, torture, just like all kinds of uh, you know, any kind of trauma you can imagine that could go on in a city like Los Angeles. Um, and I just like got exposed to that. Um, and it was super scary. It was super scary. And I wasn't cut out for it. That's like something I realized. But because I wasn't cut out for it, that later, that shit fucked me up even more. Because mm-hmm. I didn't quit. Mm-hmm. I think. And so in these in these facilities i had a lot of time to think and to read and to just be locked up and mm-hmm. kind of examine my life and how i got here and you know i was at my fourth facility by the time i wrote jeremy that was a place rancho san antonio it was a boys home and mm-hmm. that was where like i probably spent the most time there and um i must have you know just I I remember reaching out to people that I knew in high school, people I knew in middle school, elementary school, my family. I tried to reach out to my half brother, and so Jeremy was one of the people I reached out to. And you know, it was a it was also a long time ago, and I must have clearly felt some kind of remorse about what I did and 
Mm -hmm. was aware Mm -hmm. and mindful that I had fucking wronged somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. somebody that I cared enough about to at least be like, yo, my bad, you know, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. absolutely. I'll blow, I'll blow through fucking like a hurricane and not, you're not just like, just, you know, and that's how I've always been. So, Mm. you know, I had that something in me wanted to acknowledge and apologize for what I knew I did, you know, yeah, uh, I yeah. couldn't look past it. And so yeah. that's fantastic. And so Jeremy, what was that like for you to get that letter? And what was it like just now for you to hear Hassan saying those things? Uh, well, um, I think getting the letter, I was just so angry. Um, I was so angry. I just remember, like, I, I mean, I didn't accept. I didn't accept the apology. Um, I was just, I had to say, I was too blinded by anger because of like the impact it had on me to mm-hmm. let, let anyone in. It's, I mean, it's it's hard to be vulnerable when when someone's like in attack mode. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense psychologically. Um, yeah, absolutely. And now, how did it feel, you know, hearing that apology again, but, you know, in this different context and, and sort of hearing the story and being able to share your side of it? How does it feel to you to be having this conversation with Hassan right now? It's, it's crazy. Uh, I, uh, I didn't know he went through all that. Um, mm-hmm. It makes me, I think, makes me feel, feel for him. I think um, mm-hmm. I'm not perfect, but one of the things I do like about myself is I'm very feel for people, mm-hmm. and um, I can't even imagine going through that. Can't yeah. imagine. Can't imagine the impact it must have had. Mm-hmm. And does it help? You know, you mentioned earlier that you realized that what he did actually had nothing to do with you and wasn't your fault. And it's one of those things where you know, our minds are incredible in the sense that they do take on these really negative views and they take on these beliefs that become fixed, but we can actually, they're also quite flexible. So, and by changing how we see things now, we can sort of retroactively change our lives. So it's like thinking of it differently when you, you know, when you imagine you know, the social anxiety and all the outcomes that came from this core belief you had that there was something wrong with you and you were unacceptable. By changing your belief about that now, how does that change the way you look back on yourself and the way you see yourself by seeing it actually had nothing to do with whether you were acceptable or not? It just had to do with someone else's pain, Hassan's pain. Um. <sighs> It's a, it's a sigh of relief. It's, I mean, intellectually, I tell people this all the time, like it's nothing to do with you, but there's that shift emotionally. I feel like um, it takes, you know, people always say, just love yourself, just love yourself. And then it becomes cliche because there's no like emotional um, mm-hmm. attachment to it. Like, so I, and I feel like emotionally, I am understanding the dynamic of like it had nothing to do with me, it had everything to do with the struggles and challenges and identity issues and challenges that Asana was going through and he was having a hard mm-hmm. time in life and he was just take kind of, I was in this peripheral, like he knew me so it was almost more comfortable to take it out of me because in a weird way he actually loved me a lot so he's like felt more comfortable to mm-hmm. kind of um, yeah. give him that like form of therapy. Absolutely. Like a, Very powerful. And this, yeah, go ahead. I would say it's like for him, I feel like it was, he had a bucket, he's a bucket and he was, there's a hole at the bottom and it would fill up or, and he would just kind of try to get rid of it every now and then, but there, it wouldn't work. He had to keep filling the bucket, which was bullying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is where having these conversations and doing the work to make these shifts, it's like you said, we can tell ourselves this so as much as you know all the time, but until we really feel it, that's when the shift happens. We really can go, oh, you know, I feel this other person's pain, or I feel what's happening. So this is what's so 
important and powerful about having these conversations. So one question first I'll ask you, Jeremy, and then I'll ask you, Hassan, but Jeremy, what would you have needed? What do you wish was in place in your school, in your peer group, in your life that could have helped you and Hassan navigate this differently? What do you wish was there? Honestly, this, <laughs> but in seventh grade, like a therapist, a specialist come into the school and be like, what's wrong, Hassan? Like, you seem like you're having a hard time because you're, you know, you're displacing your, I mean, I didn't know this at the time, but I like learned a lot, but like you're displacing your, you know, your anger and the challenges you're having on this guy. And it's how, look at the impact it's having. He hates himself. He doesn't love himself. This isn't that. Do you really like want this person to hate himself? I doubt he would say yes. Like, mm -hmm. What do you like? What do you need right now, Hassan? Talk to me. I'm just, you yeah. know, and have like someone who actually cared and had the compassion for what he was going through in his life. Mm -hmm. um, that would help a lot. Yep. To, Beautiful. Like, know that it had nothing to do with me. Yes. Yes. And what could? So that's fantastic. That it's the idea that we need to support the person that's causing the the pain, right? Hugely, because it's coming from somewhere. And what do you wish someone might have said to you? Me? No, sorry. I was just saying, Jeremy. Just in terms of he, and then, oh. then I'll get to you, Hassan. But, but, Jeremy, do you wish? So you wish someone would have been there to sort of help Hassan not act that way to you? Do you wish that they would have said anything to you? Do you wish one of your teachers or one of your peers, or a psychologist might have said something to you? And what would that have been? I mean, that would have been this kind of similar. Like what he's doing has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. um, you bring joy to almost everyone you come across. Um, mm -hmm. I strongly encourage you to not internalize a fake story that has nothing to do with you. It's not fair to you. You're a gift to this world. You're amazing. And people around you and in school are lucky to be in your presence, to have you around. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's pretty straightforward and simple, isn't it? But how powerful would those words have been? when you were younger. Amazing. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. So Hassan, what do you wish would have been there that might have helped you and Jeremy have a different dynamic? So there's like a few things. I don't, I don't know that I think everything that happened had to happen. And for me to be the person that I am today, I had to go through every single thing that I went through. Mm -hmm. And obviously that sucks because I fucking, I hurt people along the way. Um, and um, also like there was help, but I wasn't having it at the time. Mm -hmm. I was not, I've saw mediators counselor like i there's so many people that were trying to talk to me and i would not talk to them there's mm -hmm. no opening up there was no fucking talking about it there was no mm -hmm. any of i wasn't having any of it so that's like one one angle of it like a part of me is all like well that shit had to happen it happened mm -hmm. it had to, it happened we're here now mm -hmm that's it, you know, mm -hmm. then there's another part of me that's like, okay, well, what could do, what do you think could have? Yeah, if there was a, an alternate reality, where this could have been avoided, what would you have listened to? Mm -hmm. And I think the maybe the, the only thing I would have listened to is if they brought in someone that I looked up to, yeah. or like, maybe someone who had been down the road I was already heading on mm -hmm. pretty much like a like a gangster or someone like a legit fucking G to come in and like talk to me about this from like a big brother kind of like big homie point of view and like break this down to me mm -hmm. and and kind of like that's like a mentor, like a mentor that I could relate to and look up to that wasn't some fucking cornball teacher or some, 
old ass shrink no offense you're not old but like, you know what I mean? shrink, like, I totally totally like, when you're in seventh I'm, grade yeah i'm not I am old to seventh graders you know fucking six year old guy at a desk like yeah. with a fucking bunch of encyclopedias behind him you know like mm-hmm. uh so i think like if there would have been like some kind of like mentor advocate who dealt with and who had past trauma as a youth or maybe like did some shit and was able to turn his life around but for real for real like a legit guy yeah like the dudes that i were looking up to like those african-american gang members like they had been a little older and they were to come in and be like yo man that shit's whack what you're doing is fucking lame and you're a bitch (laughs) (laughs) if they would have told me that i'd have been like whoa yeah, you would have listened. It would have made it would have meant something. Absolutely. Those would have been the only yep. people yep. I would have listened to. And so this what you're saying, what both of you are saying is so powerful. It's like we know the content of what we what what matters and what changes things and who is saying it really makes a difference. And so I mean, I fully support that and agree with that. It's actually the exact work that I do with schools is how do we help peers lead each other and so you know what what you're both saying is such a an important discussion around how impactful it is and these things can be quite simple right just having having that voice that you look up to that is telling you showing you a different way so so just to make sure we sort of finish on time um just quickly for Hassan, how does it feel for you to have this conversation with Jeremy? How does it feel for you to hear his side and the impact that that um, it had in his life? Well, you know, it's like some of it's overwhelming because I didn't, you, I didn't know what I did, you know, and I didn't know like so many things I didn't remember. And then I didn't even know. And I'm shocked, you know, about, about some of this shit because I didn't know after I wrote that letter that he was still so mad. Like I had no fucking clue, you know? So like a lot of it's like new information, um, you know, and it, it's kind of like, it sucks, you know, that, that that happened and, that I did that. So kind of just like, you know, I'm glad that we were able to, to talk about it and him able to tell me about these things. And we've talked about it before, you know, but like, this is on a, on a more serious, but also from a safe platform, you know, with you here and facilitating and, you know, it's not like, well, one side's better than the other, or, you know, it's just, you know, it's like, we're both just talking, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's just, it's very, like, it's a lot, you know, it's just kind of heavy, this is not an easy fucking Zoom to have, yeah. you know, for, I don't think for anyone. Yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Yes, and I really admire both of your courage. This is a hard conversation, and it's one that people usually avoid from both sides, right? Because it's really, really hard and terrifying to tell someone how they made you feel, you know, or or the impacts of their actions. And it's equally hard and terrifying to hear someone tell you that, you know, it's this is this is a very challenging conversation. And this is the exact way that we move to a different space, you know, because the fundamentals of your dynamic have now shifted. You know, that power imbalance is not there right now. Can you feel that, Jeremy, that, that there's a more of an equal footing now that you, you've had your space to share and you've heard Hassan? Does that feel like that to you? Yeah, it does. Kind of wish I could give him a hug if this is... <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, the times, right? Virtual hug. Beautiful. Well, also, and like... I'm a big believer in that there there are no mistakes, you know? So I don't think this is a coincidence, you're a coincidence or fucking Jeremy's a coincidence or the Zoom meeting and all the work that you're doing, you know? And, you know, my 
my goal is to help people, you know, and, and youth is like one of the, you know, so if there's a way that Jeremy and I can use our experience Mm -hmm. to help other kids Mm -hmm. or we can help you help other kids, Mm then this has all been worth it to me. Everything that I went through, you know, is painful. And because there's still a whole shit ton of shit I left out that I probably just won't talk about because I don't have the balls to fucking talk about or I don't want to talk about or I buried it and I'm not fucking, I'm just like, so, uh, you know, for what it's worth, you know, I'm really glad that we did this and hope that we can, you know, I don't know when they reopen the schools or if there's some kind of fucking bully Zoom conference with some kids getting fucked with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. And, and I love that. That's a great place for us to end on is the sense that, you know, both of you have taken this painful experience and in your own way used it to fuel incredible growth and a huge passion and desire to help. So both of you are, are from my conversations with both of you, are doing great things in the world and specifically around helping other people. So that's the flip side of this is that, you know, yes, you had this experience and, and I wish you both didn't have to go through these things. And the world is a better place in a sense because you did, because you both chose to take that experience and, and use it to become the person that you want to be and use it to figure out how to help others. And so that's, I think, a really beautiful, you know, flip side of it. And so for any kids that are going through this, and that's, you know, in, in my work that I do in schools and the program that we have, it's, it's always helping get to that space where you can, where each child can see, you know, yes, this is terrible that I'm going through it and I need to get support. And there may be something wonderful that comes of this in the end. And so that's where I think, you know, both of you having this reconciliation and continuing to use that, that drive and that desire and use this, the pain that you went through to sort of inspire you to help others is, is the perfect outcome of this. So thank you both for having the courage to do this and for doing the work that both of you do in the world and the, the desire you have to help. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Thank you for having yeah. us. Yes, yes. absolutely. It was such a pleasure. So anything else, Jeremy, do you want to say anything to finish? Yeah, I, yeah, I think I mirror a lot of Hassan's um, words at the end. Um, seems, I think that I have such a drive to help other people. I have such a, like, I want to, I want to help as many people as I can not feel as awful about themselves. And I just, I like, I just have a fire lit and, um, it's because of what I went through. It really is like, mm-hmm. if I can just go into schools, if I can just have conversations with people who are bullied and just like really break down has nothing to do with them and say, Hey, listen, I went, exa- I went through exactly what you did. I hear you. I feel you. Like, and then I don't know. Like I really, and I'm, I really want to help as many people as yeah. I can to make it a little easier. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And so what a great place for us to finish. You know, the world is a better place because of both of you. So thank you. Thank you for having the courage and thank you for, for doing the work that you do. And hopefully we'll, We'll keep this this going in one way or another.